Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Kente Corner. I'm Bobby Bancroft here with Andrew Geiger. And Andrew, how are you feeling today? First of all, you're bearing the lead here. This is episode 30, monumental achievement for, for, for both you and I. Yeah, 30 episodes of this crap. Unbelievable. You, you know, my 30th birthday, it was a little depressing. I was more into 21, if I can remember correctly. But I think for a podcast, yeah. it's a great age. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations to you and everything that you've accomplished in order to get us here. <laughs> I try my best. But Andrew, uh, yeah. how do you feel? I feel good. I, you know, I, I think uh, I do not have the flu-like symptoms that apparently uh, inhibited the performances of a couple of our heroes last night. Um, and if you look back at it, uh, you know, it, it didn't really come out that they had the flu until after the game. Uh, but when you look back at what both McClung and Terrell Allen were able to do on the floor, despite it, uh, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive indeed. Georgetown picks up their second win of the season over a ranked opponent. I was a little surprised Creighton sneaked into the rankings, but hey, you know what? Good for the Blue Jays. They did. Georgetown beats number 25 Creighton 83 to 80. And I know we're obviously recording this the day after that game, but I think even before factoring in the illness, I think that might've been Georgetown's best game of the year. And here's why, here's why this was probably the first game that they've since the transfers, they've, they've been in a close encounter, the Oklahoma state game. I think it was, I think they, they won by seven, but it wasn't like, you know, in the last seconds, it was, you know, who's going to win. And I think for this group to do, to do what they did against a team and a program, that's a really good offensive team. Georgetown's obviously struggles defensively. Ewing's first win against Creighton. I think this is probably their best win of the season so far. That's an interesting take. And it's also a very well-coached team. You know, McDermott always does a good job with them. So when this was, what, a, a two-point game with three minutes left or whatever it was, uh, yeah, the outcome was certainly very much in doubt. Um, and uh, I think Ewing managed the last few minutes of the game very well, clearly made it a point to get your seven, some touches. Uh, Mosley played great down the stretch. Uh, Pickett, <laughs> ne- never mind. And, um, you know, I, I, and Terrell Allen essentially missing for the last two minutes. Uh, Javon Blair really stepped up well in, in his absence. Can I just say, though, that early on, I turned on, I turned on press row. I don't know what, the, what, what, was, what they were saying on TV, but I thought it was clear that there was something wrong with McClung. He was, I think he was the first sub. If he wasn't the first sub, it was when he went out the first time. And mm-hmm. I, I turned and I said, it looks like McClung has been doing manual labor all day. Just the way he went to the bench, he kind of had the towel all over him. He just, he looked exhausted. I'm like, this kid has to be sick. Yeah. And, and maybe it makes more sense again, in hindsight, 
why he sat McClung at the same time as your seven for that period in the in the second half, which could have been a disaster um, with both of those guys on the bench at the same time. I actually think the Hoyas um, extended the lead by a couple of points during those few minutes. Uh, but yeah, he did kind of look a little bit dazed on the bench and clearly attributable to some sort of flu episode. So since we didn't know during the game, and then at the end of the game, you know, Georgetown was down at the half. I thought it was really important they made an early run. Uh, Jake and Mosley afterwards said how important it was to come out and, you know, just, I think he said, punch him in the face. Or he, he made some sort of, you know, physical term as, you know, what you need to do in a Big East game. And Georgetown got the lead back, and they, ne- they never relinquished it. And for me, I thought one of the bigger plays was Mosley, I think, only took one shot in the first half. Second half, during during that run where they took the lead, he had a pretty pretty emphatic dunk that I know at the end of the first half, Georgetown could have had the lead at the half. McClung had a great dish off. Omir was unable to finish. Um, I thought for me that was the moment where it's like, you know what? I think I think Georgetown might might have this. Yeah, let's go back to that end of the first half sequence because <laughs> okay. what, what I was what what I was thinking about that, and it's really been. I think almost a trait at this point in the Ewing era has been when the Hoyas have the ball with essentially, you know, holding for the last shot, they always seem to not only hold for the last shot, but then miss it or something bad happens that allows the other team to then get off a shot. I like, I remember so many times last year where, you know, maybe, you know, we take a shot, the other team gets a rebound, we commit some silly foul or, you know, they get an easy hoop in transition at the, at the other way. Um, and that happened again last night. We, we, we do everything right. Your seven misses the dunk. It has that huge, you know, rebound. Um, and Creighton almost converted that into a three, I think, the other way. Yeah, that I was going to say. <laughs> if they, that, that would have been really bad, yeah. If they, if they had made a three, I would have said, okay, that was about as disastrous as of an ending. Obviously... You know, I think it was kind of like a no-look pass McClung had, and it was like, wow, this is, you know, a really good end of the half. And I think everyone in the arena was all ready to, you know, explode at that point. The light crowd of about 6,000 was ready to just go crazy. And he missed, and they got the three up. You're like, oh, this is definitely going in. It did not go in. So not worst-case scenario. But, but, but yeah, you're right. Closing halves hasn't hasn't been great. But a lot of really good things happened last night. It was the first time, I think, that we saw the Omir Yurt 7 that everyone had been waiting to see in Big East play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his baskets, look, they go in. So to his credit, they're, they're good shots. You know, I don't love kind of him taking mid-range close to the hoop jumpers, those kind of things. I prefer he, he get closer to the basket, you know, deeper into the, into the, into the paint. Um, yeah. But he, is, he can finish. I mean, he can finish with both hands. Uh, you saw that last night, and um, I don't, I don't know how, how many rebounds did he finish with? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, and that's after a pretty slow start. I think he only had going to the half. It, I don't think he had that many. I, I could be I wrong. He had five. But uh, okay, well, fair enough. No, nope, no, nope, uh, yeah. nope. Three. He had three. There you go. So I mean, it, it was definitely a good second half for him. He was clearly more active on the boards. I think he even. Uh, it seemed like he was more aggressive once holding on to the, the rebounds, which has been something that has bothered the, the fan base. Uh, you know, he seems to get stripped a lot. But, yeah, good game for him, no doubt. Good good game for him. And probably when you look up and down the stat sheet, this is kind of what 
you know, for Georgetown to get, you know, I keep talking about getting to 80 points. The numbers, you know, prove that if they get to 80, they've pretty good shot of winning in Big East play. But, you know, you're seven with 20, McClung 19, Mosley 13, Allen 10, Blair 12, Pickett 9. And that's sort of, that's sort of better than, you know, you're seven having 25, McClung having 20, and then no one else having more than like five or six. This was about what you want to see from Georgetown as far as spreading it out. And, you know, obviously Pickett could go up a little bit. You could get some more here and there, but this is probably, you know, what you, this is the best they're going to get with the current group that they have. Agreed. I mean, and, and it, obviously you want to look for balance and last night was a good example of it. Uh, I mentioned Blair earlier to me last night, he really stepped up. Well, not just, you know, he nailed a couple of his uh, Blair switch projects. Uh, he had a few drives to the basket, uh, was bringing up the ball, a bit more in Terrell Allen's absence and, you know, when, when Mac was on the bench. Uh, but yeah, these contributions from the other guys are necessary because I don't think we can win games just relying on your seven and McClung. No, I think they become too easy to defend at that point. And I think particularly for Mosley, I think he only took one shot in the first half. I think it's really important in his last go around that he goes out swinging. And by that, I mean, you know, not playing outside of his abilities, but I think that he's smart enough to get the shots that he knows that are high percentage for him. So he needs to be a little more assertive in putting his sort of stamp on the game offensively, defensively after the game, Ewing talked about how he's the MVP, you know, he played 40 minutes. He did not take a break and Mm -hmm. he kind of did about everything that you could, you could imagine from your senior leader. And and to his credit, and it's really been remarkable. Can you remember the last time that like he was in foul trouble? Like when was the last game where Mosley picked up two fouls in the first half and had to sit? I don't remember it. And and he's so active. You know, he takes charges and and does all that. You know, he's so active on on both ends. He's he's been extremely impressive this year. And to hear Ewing call him the team's MVP, I mean, I, I have to agree with that. He said it on the conference call last week. He said, obviously, you know. Omir and McClung get all the attention, but he said, and if they lost them, it'd be hard to lose. It'd be hard to win as well. But he said, if you take Mosley off this roster, I don't think we can win. Although that being said, I don't really know who else they could take off this roster and keep winning. Right. I think that they're at their absolute, this is what we, you know, no problems, you know, going forward, which is why you get guys like McClung and Allen playing, even though they reportedly didn't, didn't practice for three days. Um, I don't know what it was like on TV. I did not watch the DVR version yet, but I will say this from my vantage point at half court, a little bit closer to Creighton's bench. When Allen went to the floor late, it happened right over where John Thompson Jr. has been sitting and he's only been to a couple games this year. He usually was always there. My, I, I stood up and my first thought was, please do not let it be him because that's what it looked like at first. And I wasn't the only one that had that fear. Ah, that never crossed my mind. That's interesting. Um, it was just based on, the, on where it yeah. happened. Yeah, the, the broadcast was kind of weird about the whole thing. Like, <laughs> they they were focusing more on, I guess at the same time, there was like a Creighton player who had a nosebleed or something like that. So they were focused, the cameras were focused on on him. Then they kind of switched over to Terrell Allen, who was like on the floor. No one really knew what was going on. And they took a while on TV to even come back to the Allen thing. They're, I guess they were trying to figure out where it happened or what happened. They didn't know whether he got elbowed or, or, okay. or what have you. Um, but it looks like, yeah, I mean, he just collapsed. Yeah. Ewing, Ewing said afterwards, basically, he was looking for a place to throw up. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And that yeah. was the And spot. I think actually there, there was someone on Twitter last night. It's actually one of the kids who like 
mops the floor. I think he said okay. that uh, that had happened a few times. Like they they were like throwing up during the game or something like that, or before the game. I believe it. I I, I wasn't able to tell Alan, but I think it was clear early on to me that. You know, and you know, speaking of this, since McClung dyed his hair or whatever, he lightened his hair, whatever he did, he's got elbowed against American, missed a game. Now he got sick. You know, anytime he makes a hair change last year, he went bald. Um, you know, he went with the uh, buzz cut. I think I think you need McClung to just kind of stay medium with his hair. Just keep doing the normal you. Agreed. I don't think we need any changes at this point to anything. I think we've had enough roster changes. I don't think we need any changes to our physical appearances although um in singing omir's praises last night coach ewing did say he threw in there at the end of things he needs to work on he mentioned cutting his hair so i think i I think it's a distract i think the man bun is a distraction i think he's he's probably worried about the the shape and the form of it when he's running down the court you know is the rubber band or whatever he's using is it going to hold um you know i wish i had such problems uh, but you know, I, who knows? If, if whatever Omer needs to do in order for him to maintain that sort of performance from last night is fine with me. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Okay, so last thing about last night's game, we can talk a little bit Marquette and just sort of what's going on in the Big East right now. Um a little surprised that Wahab didn't earn more minutes based on what he did yeah. last time out, but I think it. I think it's really just a matchup situation, right? I think right. it's 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 right. not really just he's not ready. He clearly sh- showed he was ready against Villanova. You know, Omir was cooking, and he's clearly not going to play both guys at the same time because he even went with Murasan yesterday when there was you know some early first half foul troubles. So I think that's kind of like the only thing when you look at it and you say, oh, you know. Cutis had 13, and you know this game he played like three minutes. No doubt, I think it's a it's purely matchup situation. Creighton had a lot of guys that uh, they're quick. You know they they run around, they um, they, they ran some backdoor action. They, you know they shoot threes. They, you got to have guys out there that can guard the perimeter. I think that this was not a uh, a Wahop game, so to speak. Much more effective against a team like like Villanova, um, and maybe even Marquette. We'll see what happens with him on Saturday. So speaking of Marquette, you know, the game is at two o'clock, which I think is going to be a positive. It's the gray out. I did not realize we had reached gray out time of the season. And um, hopefully there's going to be a decent amount of people there. That's when you're saying season, you mean S-Z-N? Yeah. Yes. That is, that is the cool way to say it in 2020. Yeah. I think the two o'clock start helps. And, you know, look, Georgetown is there, you know, obviously you don't want to start 0-2. You don't want to go 1-3, and but they haven't lost a home game yet. They're holding serve. And to beat Marquette with Marcus Howard, Georgetown under Ewing is 1-3 against Marquette. Obviously they've been good, but they, they, they got them at their place last year. A real big upset. That was Ewing's first. No, it was his second win against the ranked opponent. This is a huge game. I know every week it's like, oh, this game is huge. But when you need to get to eight or nine wins in the big East and you've got only really seven guys you're playing with, I mean, every game is big 
And because this game is at home, get to three and three, this game is enormous. Enormous. I, again, if they hold serve at home, they make the tournament. It's really that simple. Now, is that a reasonable expectation when you've got Seton Hall coming in and Villanova coming in? Probably not. But they got to win these games that, uh, you know, against sort of the, the next tier uh, of Big East opponents. Um, yeah. I, I, look, put Mosley on Howard or whatever you got to do, and then suddenly this game is winnable. Uh, Marquette doesn't really scare me as much as it has in the past. I know, what what's his name, Theo John or whatever his name is. I mean, he, he's, yeah. he's pretty good uh, inside, but we have big guys too. Uh, this is definitely a winnable game. It's a real winnable game. Ken Palm has it as a winnable game. By the way, the spread last night, were you a little surprised by that? It was all over the place. Uh, you know, it, it opened at uh, Hoyas minus one and a half, then it went up to uh, three and a half in spots. Um, and then at, at closing, I saw two and a half, I saw three. Uh, yeah, a little surprising. I mean, I'm not surprised that Georgetown was favored to beat that Creighton team. Um, I didn't really see much out of Creighton that would have made them prohibitive favorites in that game. I don't know. Well, except that, you know, Creighton's had really no problem with Georgetown since Ewing came on the previous two. And, you know, they scored 80 points again last night. Previously, they scored 91 and 90 at Capital One Arena. For me, after watching what Villanova did shooting the ball, you know, that's what that's what Creighton does, you know, just, you know, drive and kick back out. So I'm thinking, you know, I think my last tweet right before tip off was, Let's see what the three-point defense has tonight. And, you know, Creighton did make 13 threes, but, you know, they yeah. missed 20 of them as well. So yeah, I was a little yeah, surprised by, by the spread. And it, all my friends that texted me asking me for inside information as if I have any, I was just like, I have no idea why the spread is what it is. I probably would make it differently, but that's why I don't work in Vegas. Yeah, that number 11 on Creighton, uh, Zagorowski or whatever his name is, he's, he's the devil. And brother-in-law uh, of, here, or not brother-in-law, but I think he's Mark, stepbrother or half-brother of Michael Carter Williams. Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, no comment. And uh, but the lesson with the spread is that Vegas always knows. So um, what you said, Ken Palm. What does Ken Palm show for our Marquette score? Seventy-nine, seventy-seven. Hoyas. Okay. Which would be the rare Georgetown Big East win, scoring less than eighty. Right. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, real quick. Okay, so Georgetown puts themselves in the mix. They're two and three. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Seton Hall and Villanova and Providence, you got five and oh, two teams that are four and one. Butler lost their first game three and one. All the teams are top 100. Ken Palm. Everyone's having a great season. Like we just said, it, you know, for Georgetown to get to three and three, obviously I'm getting ahead. And then they go to a Xavier team that this isn't really. This isn't the Xavier. Xavier's one and four in the league. Obviously, they're going to be desperate, you know, to beat a team like Georgetown at home, thinking like this is the kind of team we can probably beat. But there's a big difference between going to Xavier two and four as opposed to three and three. I think everything's sort of setting up nicely for Georgetown at the moment to stay in that middle, which, you know, last year, nine and nine tied for third place. And it looks like that it might do that again. Big game. Yeah, and I think, again, if you look at, you know, when the biggest schedule first came out, if we looked at a reasonable expectation for Georgetown's record after the first five games, you'd have said, okay, two and three. So, you know, that's where we are. And given the roster shakeup and all that, it's perfectly fine. I think we've exceeded expectations in Big East play, actually, um, or or really our play since everybody left, you know, since the guys left. Uh, We're definitely in, in good shape. 
I don't really care where we finish in the Big East. My targeted goal in mind is just to get to that 8-10, and 9-9 conference record because now that we're finally armed with a reasonable you know, strength of schedule and, and all that yeah. stuff from, from our non-conference slate, that'll be enough to get us into the tournament. It doesn't matter if we finish seventh in the Big East or third. I just think if we get to that 18-19 win total for the season, we're, we're going to get to where we need to be. I think it is nice, though, and looking at since the Big East realigned or, you know, reconfigured, 9-9 nine and nine has always avoided playing on Wednesday night, which I think is a depressing night to be at Madison Square Garden. And since all of the teams are kind of good this year, you could go and play in that 7-10 or 8-9 game and play a pretty good team. So I think it, I get what you're saying about getting to eight or nine wins in the league, but I do think that there is this year particular value in avoiding Wednesday night. No one wants to play on Wednesday night, um, but again, I think for because we have impressive numbers. I mean, you know, our net ranking is what forty, forty-eight, forty-nine, whatever it is, you know, and that's only going to rise if we can get more wins leading up to the Big East tournament. Of course, um, it, the Big East tournament is going to give us an opportunity to hopefully get pad. to what's that to pad the record. To pad the record, right. So if we do happen to play on Wednesday night, in theory that means we're playing one of these lesser opponents. That's an opportunity to get another win. Uh, hopefully we don't need that win to get in. Um, but I don't really, if it's, again, I don't want to play on Wednesday night. We're looking <laughs> two months ahead, essentially. But I don't, that, that, that's not a big deal for me. Okay. Well, anyway, Saturday at 2 o'clock is a big deal. Gray yeah. out. Are you going to be offering up a contest for your tickets? I saw you ended up giving those away yesterday. Yeah, those weren't actually mine. Um, okay. Those were someone else's who said, hey, I need to get rid of these. Um, and I encourage anyone who's listening to do that. I mean, I'll, there are a lot of people. I was surprised at how many people actually hit me up for those tickets. So there are people who want to go to these games. So, it doesn't cost that uh, much, guys. Just go. Right. Well, people, you know, they have reasons why they can't go. Uh, so if you can't go to the game, let me know via Twitter and we will get people to fill those seats. The worst thing is that we can do is have nobodies in those seats, um, especially for a gray out game on Saturday. Especially for a gray out game. Well, Andrew, I know this is a tight, there's going to be a tight 30th Kente corner. Can I get a Marquette prediction before we have to leave everybody? Uh, I think the Hoyas win. I think with a, a healthy McClung, a healthy Terrell Allen, assuming they, they're healthy, you know, and the, the flu symptoms have, have passed, I think we have more weapons, assuming we can hold Howard down to, I don't know, 26, 27 points, avoid some, some sort of crazy high 30, low 40 point outburst from him. I, I don't know who's going to guard him. I, I guess Mosley, although frankly, Mosley, I don't know if he's been that good about shutting down our opponent's best scorer. I mean, every time they put him on Powell, I think Powell explodes. Yeah, uh, pa- pa- Powell and Howard are just special cases, though, so I'm not going to totally... Yeah, well, but unfortunately, we've got to deal with Howard on Saturday. So right, I, I don't right. know who... <coughs> I don't know who guards Howard. Um, but I guess, I guess we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. I Really, the kid who... the play. <laughs> Pickett was so frustrating to me last night um, because he shows you what he can do. Well, he shows you what he can do when he puts up eighteen eleven, you know, against whoever it was. And then last night, 
it's just where is he? I mean, just, so many like bad passes and then carelessness with the ball. Um, I thought he made. A, I right. thought he made. He made a drive in the first half that, you yeah. know, you say, wow, that's where I could see an NBA, right. like, you know, team being like, wow, this guy has it. He had a pretty, pretty big, like, uh, weak side block, I thought. Um, so I, I think the frustrating part with Pickett, and I think you're going a little bit a different way, but for me, the frustrating part with Pickett is sometimes you can see it and then you don't see it for a while and you're like, come on, you're a junior. Oh, you're I, clearly one of the best players. Yeah, I think that's exactly where I was going. It's just so okay. frustrating to watch when you know what the potential could be, but there's just no, there's no consistency there. And it's like, there's that high of, you know, exactly those mentions, those, those moments that you mentioned, like finger rolls and, you know, step mm-hmm. back jumpers and then, you know, steals and blocks, but the lows are so low, you know, kicking the ball out of bounds, taking, you know, poor shots, turnovers. <sighs> he's, he's just frustrating. And this is year three, uh, you know, with Ewing, um, I'm just not sure if, you know, the light bulb's ever going to go off for him. I hope it does, and I hope it does starting Saturday, really. Um, but to me, he's just been kind of an enigma so far. So Georgetown's two and three. Marquette's two and three. Georgetown's won both home games in the Big East. Marquette has lost both of their away games in the Big East. You don't want to go to two and four. I know both teams have, obviously, like every Every team in the Big East has NCA aspirations. I think it's Georgetown that comes out on top. And I think it's going to be a big game for your seven again. I think your seven is going to get in the groove. I think I think he needed last night more mentally. I, I think I saw some things where it just seems like he's unsure of himself. And I think he needed that performance against a legitimate Big East team to get going. And that's sort of my, that's my prediction. Yeah, and if he can get uh, Theo John into some foul trouble early, which I think is possible, I think they should make it a point to feed him in the post early on on, on a lot of those early possessions. Get John they to do. get a couple fouls, get him out of the game, and then suddenly everything opens up. Uh, so hopefully that happens on Saturday. I'll go with Georgetown. You want us to hit that 80 mark. I'll give him 80. Uh, Marquette, 73. Yeah, I'm thinking more like 81, 69. But okay. Um, well, hey, guys, everyone can find the 30th episode of Kente Corner on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, all that stuff. Andrew is at Casual Hoya. I'm at Bobby Bancroft. And we will see you episode 31. All right, man. Looking forward to it. See ya. Bye.